Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. Thanks for tuning in to our final show of the NFL season. We're previewing Super Bowl 55 with some of the Score's NFL writers. We're going to get their predictions for the game. I'll give you my own as well. And then that's it for on-field action for a little while here, which is kind of bittersweet. I mean, it's always nice for me that I'm able to finally take a couple weeks off in February. I doubt you'll miss me because February is definitely the quietest month on the fantasy calendar, although we could see some news come out here. I mean, there's some trade possibilities. Deshaun Watson, Derek Carr. I know some people have even said Kirk Cousins potentially could be on the move, so we'll see what happens there. We already got the Matt Stafford trade, which went down over the weekend, and I saw a lot of people giving their takes on that one. I feel like this one's pretty straightforward, though. It's great news for all the skill position players with the Rams, right? It now also puts Stafford back into that conversation as a low-end QB1 for fantasy because you got to remember, it's very, very difficult when you're talking about fantasy quarterbacks now to break into the top six or seven when you don't have the rushing stats to boost your numbers. I mean, it's really, really tough to do, but I would still expect Stafford to be in that back end of the quarterback one range. Robert Woods, high-end wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. He's kind of been around that range already. Cooper Cup, he's in that Low-end wide receiver two now area. Van Jefferson, a pretty intriguing late-round option. You got Tyler Higby. He's going to be an interesting tight end, too. I'm not going to put him in my tight end one ranks, but he could get there with Stafford now under center. And that's assuming Gerald Everett leaves in free agency, which we kind of expect to happen. And then Cam Akers, he's going to be a high-end RB2, could quickly emerge as an RB1. If he picks up where he left off late this season, that guy could definitely be an RB1 in 2021. So it's great news for the Rams. And then on the Lions side, it's really a work in progress. I don't expect Goff to be the long-term answer at quarterback for them, not without Sean McVay in his ear telling him what to do anymore. So that's pretty bad news for the Lions passing attack. But the problem here is we don't really know what's going to happen because we got to wait to see how things shake out with Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones. Both those guys are heading to free agency. And overall, the Lions look like they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league next season. So that's going to hurt TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, even Quintez Cephas. And if you listen to the show, you know I'm big fans of all those young guys. But with Goff under center, their values are going to take a hit. It's going to make Hawkinson a, a mid to low end tight end one. Swift more of a mid to low end RB2. He's going to be below a lot of those other sophomore backs like Gibson and Dobbins and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He's going to be below those guys. And we're not really going to know with Cephas until free agency hits and what moves they're going to make at Wido, whether he's going to step into the starting lineup. But that's just my quick rundown here of the Stafford Goff deal. I figured people would be curious on my thoughts just for the time being. And if you want to see exactly where I ranked all of those guys, you can check out my February rankings update for redraft. That's already up. My dynasty trade value chart, I'm going to update that later this week. That's not what today's show's about, though. Today we're focusing on the Super Bowl. First up, a guest that was on the show just a couple of weeks ago here. He was talking about the top free agents who are going to be available in March. Now he's back, and I bet he is all smiles over there because his Tampa Bay Buccaneers did what my Buffalo Bills couldn't do, and they made it to the big game. Michael McClimate, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me back, man. Well, why don't you kick things off here? And I just want to give you every opportunity in the world to talk about your bucks and the gloat, but why don't you kick things off here just by breaking down how this team came to be, like how GM Jason Light built this roster even before they topped it off with the cherry of all cherries, Tom Brady. Yeah, I think this is kind of necessary because before 2020, 
not too many people were watching Bucks games. And I don't blame them, obviously. They were they're one of the most losing franchises in all of sports. But this team was kind of pieced together through the draft. So you have to give Jason Light a lot of credit, especially 2018, 2019, 2020. The last three drafts, he's found 13 contributors and eight starters. So that's a pretty great record. I know he, he gets a lot of slings for drafting a kicker way back when and trading up to get him in the second round. And then he ended up being the worst kicker in NFL history. And then he went and, he went and drafted Matt Gay a couple of years later, and he was only with the team for one year. But he's built a Super Bowl contender that was strong enough to entice Tom Brady in free agency. And so you've got to give him a lot of flowers for that. Um, we're talking about Vita Vea and Ronald Jones in 2018, Devin White, and then a couple of his cornerbacks in 2019. And then they needed a starting right tackle. They got Tristan Wirfs in the first round, and then Antoine Winfield Jr. And I got to say, they're doing this with only a couple of first-rounders on this team. We're talking about Mike Evans in 2014 and Devin White in 2019. And so it's not that all the losing provided the Bucks with a bunch of top 10 picks and then they, they turned that into a juggernaut. No, he had to find a lot of diamonds in the rough. And so you got to give him props for that. And the only thing I'll disagree with you there on is you said not a lot of people were watching Bucks games. I know fantasy managers were. We were all putting ourselves through those Jameis games, all the picks, because there was still a ton of points getting put up, a ton of fantasy points too. So, all right, that's how they got here. Now they're facing the toughest challenge yet. They got to go up against Mahomes and company. And they weren't really able to stop Mahomes during that regular season meeting, right? He threw for over 400 yards, had three touchdowns. What do the Bucks need to do to win this time around? Obviously, what they got to do is shut down Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, which is obviously easier said than done. Yeah, ne- nearly impossible. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So the first step, I believe they should put Devin White on Travis Kelsey exclusively. White has suggested this week that that's Levante David's job. He's going to cover Kelsey, but he's battling a hamstring injury. And he had eight catches and 82 yards with David in coverage in that Week 12 matchup. So I think you put White on Kelsey. He was drafted to shadow the likes of Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey, and the Chiefs just don't have that kind of guy. They don't have a running game to fear. So you let Ndamukong Sue and Vita Vea clog up the middle. You let JPP and Shaq Bear go to work on the backup tackles. And you won't need to use White as a blitzer. You give him the assignment to cover Kelsey all game, and then the rest of the defense and that secondary can worry about Tyreek Hill. Now, Tyreek, obviously, he burned them in that Week 12 game. What the Bucs did, they put Carlton Davis on Tyreek in man coverage for much of that game, especially in that first half. And the result was over 100 yards, two TDs, a double move on a TD. And Patrick Mahomes even said that, the Chiefs don't see a lot of man coverage on Tyreek Hill, so they were surprised and they tried to take advantage of it. Now, after halftime, the Bucks adjusted. They played more cover two. They covered Tyreek with a corner and a safety over the top, so you'll see a lot more of that in the Super Bowl, I presume. And with White shutting down Kelsey or exclusively covering Kelsey, then the secondary could worry about Tyreek Hill. And then it's up to what the Bucs can do to shut down Mahomes and Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson. All right, so a lot of talk about the the big names there. And I'm going to get to the Chiefs X-Factors in a minute when I talk to Mike Alessandrini, but is there a player or maybe a couple of players that you see as the X-Factor X-Factors for Tampa this week? Like somebody who can surprise us and swing the tide in the Bucs' favor? Okay, this is going to seem like a cop-out, 
But if he plays, I think Ronald Jones can have a big game. Yeah. Now, are you just saying that because a couple years ago, how hard I was on Ronald Jones when he first came out? Is that why you're bringing him up? You were extremely hard on him, and it was it was worthy. I'm picking him. Yes, he's the the team starting running back, but he hasn't done much since missing two games late in the year with an injury. And Leonard Fournette is getting all the headlines because he's found the end zone in five of the last six games here. But anyone who's watched these playoff games can see that. Fournette is more of a plodding back. He chops his feet before hitting the hole. And Jones, he had 13 carries against the Saints, 10 against the Packers, and he had a lot more bursts. He even broke off a a 44-yard run against the Saints that was called back by a holding penalty. So he's had these two weeks to rest that injured quad. The game plan against Mahomes is obviously to score, but also to limit the time he's on the field. So the Bucs are going to have to run the ball a lot to do that. And I think if, if Jones is healthy... He can be the difference maker on Sunday. And at plus 6,600, I'm taking a flyer on him as Super Bowl MVP. Wow, okay. I like hearing that. I can't let you go. I mean, I got to ask you here. I have a pretty good idea of where you're going to go with it, but I got to ask you your prediction for the game here. So you don't have to tell me who because I know it's going to be the Bucks. Just tell me how much do you think they're going to win by? Well, you know I love Patrick Mahomes too. I, hey, I <laughs> have that played to him from our fantasy days, right? That is him. true. I took him before anyone saw him blowing up. Um, and I'm hearing a lot of talk about what the Bucks have to do to shut down the Chiefs, but this whole week I haven't heard much about what the Chiefs' defense has to do. And I don't think they can just all the way stop Brady here. We're talking about a Chiefs' defense, run defense, that has given up 122 yards per game. That's ranked 21st in the league. They have the 16th-ranked D, and the Bucks have the 7th-ranked offense here. So we know about the Bucks' weapons here. And the Chiefs, they've had the fourth highest blitz rate in the NFL this season, but they only ranked 19th in sacks. So what that tells me is they're using the blitz to supplement the pass rush here, and it's still not getting home. So what I'm trying to say here is that the Bucks have a legitimate shot at winning this game. They have the weapons. You know Tom Brady's going to pick his spots. It'll come down to whether or not the Chiefs can get home. The only thing that scares me here is that Steve Spagnolo is the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, and he famously led those two Giants teams that took down Brady in the Super Bowl. So I'm going to go Bucks, and I'm going to go Bucks pretty big. It's going to be a high-scoring game, 33-24, I'll say. It should be an exciting Super Bowl. I, I agree with you there. It's going to be exciting. I'm going to hold off to give my prediction until the end of the show, though. Great stuff, man. Always appreciate you stopping by. Go and follow McClyman on Twitter, at Mike McWriter. Check out his content in the NFL section on the Score app. We're going to keep rolling here, and since we covered the Bucks already, it's only fair that we give the Chiefs equal airtime. So let's bring in Mike Alessandrini, another one of our NFL editors at the Score. Alessandrini, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Boone. Well, we really need you because McClymouth just gushed about the Buccaneers for oh, 10 course. minutes. So you <laughs> got to bring some balance to the force here and talk about the Chiefs a little bit. Why don't you start the same place he did, outlining the path of how the Chiefs built a team that is now on the verge of potentially taking home their second straight Lombardi trophy, something we haven't seen since the Patriots back in 2004. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Like we, By now, everyone, especially from last year, everyone knows the story of you know, this Chiefs roster, they have the best coaching staff, they have one of the best rosters, they have dynamic players at key positions, but this offseason was a little different. Obviously, last year, all these guys were coming up and the contracts were expiring, and it was kind of all about how the Chiefs managed Mahomes' massive extension. You know, if you guys remember back in March, the Chiefs had $177 in cap space. It was a huge story all over Twitter, and somehow they kept 
almost their entire team intact and sign all these guys to long-term deals, keeping their, their core intact. Obviously, first was the Mahomes extension. Following that, you know, Chris Jones, instead of playing him on the franchise tag, they signed him to a long-term deal, saved a bit of money every year to keep him happy. Uh, Travis Kelsey obviously signed the extension, which involved no new money at all for the 2020 season. A few restructures here, a few cuts here. Sammy Watkins was the main guy that uh, restructured and saved a bunch of cap room. And you're looking at this roster, and it's essentially the, the same one that, that won the Super Bowl last year. Really, the only difference have been major injuries like Eric Fisher and opt-outs like Damian Williams and uh, Duvernay Tardif, the, the starting guard. Um, other than that, you're looking at essentially the, the same roster as last year, which is a pretty incredible because in a league where so many things change year to year, a lot of teams that were in the Super Bowl one year don't even make the playoffs the next year, let alone even get to the, the Final Four or the, the, the Super Bowl the next year. The Patriots have really only been the recent example of that. So this team, Brett Veach, general manager of the Chiefs, deserves a ton of credit um, for keeping this team intact, adding a few pieces here and there, some young guns, some rookies um, that really helped out, in particular their defense. And what you have here is a team, like you said, they're, this team, we could be talking about them as a dynasty in a few years. Yeah, just a super impressive organization. And now that they're back in the championship game here, what's it going to take for them to finish the job to be the, the ones that the confetti's falling on Sunday night instead of the Bucks? There's a, there's a few factors here. I know that the Chiefs on paper, obviously Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, they look a little more dynamic than the Bucks. No disrespect to Tom Brady, but they're going to have to, some things are going to go right. This is going to be a close game, I think. The first thing is, I think Mahomes is going to have to mitigate the blitz, and I think the offensive tackles are really going to have to block for him in particular. As I mentioned, Eric Fisher was out. Uh, so we have, uh, he was out in the AFC title game. So he's out for the, obviously for the Super Bowl, probably the start of next year. So you have right tackle Mike, Mike Remmers sliding over the left side. And you have um, Austin Ryder sliding over to, to the right tackle. He's a guard. So you have these inexperienced tackles in these positions going up against a dynamic pass rush duo and JPP and Shaq Barrett. So Mahomes is going to have to get these balls out of his hand very quickly, and he's going to have to beat the blitz. Beat the blitz. The Bucks have one of the more aggressive defenses in the whole league. I think they blitz almost forty percent of their snaps during the regular season. Todd Bowles is a great defensive coordinator there, and Mahomes is going to have to to, to beat him. I know they're probably not going to blitz at, at that rate, but you know Devin White comes up the middle. He's a dangerous player. Mahomes is going to have to make very quick decisions, get those matchups isolated very early, which the Chiefs can do. And that's one sort of major thing. I, I think also, this is going to sound weird, but I, I don't think the Chiefs could be afraid of going too one-dimensional. It's pretty safe to assume. I don't, I don't think the, the Chiefs are going to be rushing for 200 yards in, in this game. The, the, the Bucks have a great run defense, especially with Vita Vea back from injury. You know, Edwards Alaire has been sort of on and off this year. Is he healthy? Uh, Le'Veon Bell has been sort of a non-factor the last few weeks. Daryl Williams has really been the best guy in that backfield. And either way, I think instead of having that run game, focus on the short screens. Get Alaire some some um, some dump offs, quick routes to Tyreek, make plays. Um, you know, a, a, a quick slant, get him upfield very very quickly. Little things like that. And I think sort of the last thing on on the defensive side is is you want to get as much pressure on, on Brady as possible because we've seen in recent weeks if Brady's got time and these routes, Bruce Arians love to take the the deep shot. Bruce Arians and OC. Byron Leftwich, then these guys are going to get open. The Chiefs' secondary is pretty solid, but 
you know, this is a very tough matchup. You have Godwin, you have Evans, you have AB if he's healthy, Gronk. There's just so many options downfield. So the Chiefs are really going to have to get after Brady um, within, you know, the first two seconds of drop-off. It's very hard to sack Brady because he makes such quick decisions. That's been his thing his whole career. But if they can disrupt him as early in the snap as possible, that's going to go better for them. And you mentioned a lot of names there. And I asked McClimate this for the Buck side, but... Do you see any X factors for the Chiefs here? Like who or maybe what even could surprise us and help them get the repeat? Yeah, you know what? Actually, I, I, I was thinking about this beforehand. And one guy that kept standing out was uh, second year safety, Juan Thornhill. I know safety is not the sexiest position all the time. But I think there, this game is really set up for Thornhill to have a big game. Or, you know, if he makes a few mistakes for the Bucks to make some big plays. That's why I sort of landed him. Um, landed on him as as an X factor. He's been playing great football lately. He obviously he missed last year's Super Bowl, his rookie year. He tore his ACL um, in last December, so in December 2019. Sorry, um, and he, you know, the Chiefs were missing that that deep line playmaker. Tyra Matthew and Daniel Sorensen like to play closer to the line. Matthew plays everywhere in the slot corner. He could play outside. He could play deep. But Thornhill is really that deep line guy, and he's been really really strong in coverage in the last few weeks, including the two playoff wins for the Chiefs this year. So I think Tom Brady's going to have to take his shots downfield. He's going to sort of target Thornhill in the middle of the field, try to get his eyes going in different directions and, you know, throw a deep pass to Evans or Godwin, whoever it would be. If Thornhill could sort of win a few matchups, there's going to be opportunity for him to make a big play, maybe an important interception or something like that. I think Thornhill could have a big game. All right, you covered a lot of possibilities here, but... You got to tell me before you go, how do you see it all playing out? Give me a score and what you're expecting to see on Sunday. Ooh, I, you know, I've been going back and forth, but I, I still think Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, that offense, I, I, I just think that it's, it's too much for the Bucks to handle. The Brady's going to have a great game. I think, actually, I could see this being pretty high scoring, maybe like a 34-31. I think it's going to be within, within a touchdown. I think the Chiefs are going to win, let's say 34-31. I think Mahomes, Andy Reid, offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, they're going to find ways to exploit matchups. And I think Travis Kelsey has a great chance to have a really, really strong game. The Bucks are going to be after Mahomes very quickly. Mahomes is going to go down in the middle of the field to his most reliable target. Kelsey has a chance, I think, to catch 8, 9, 10 balls in this game. So I, I think with those little matchups that the Chiefs have downfield, as long as they could score early and keep the pressure on. I know last Super Bowl, they didn't get out to the hot start. I think they'll be determined to do that this year. And it's, I, th- I can see actually a pretty high-scoring game here. So, I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to win. All right. Good stuff as always. Go and follow Alessandrini on Twitter, at a football Mike. Thanks for making time today, man. We'll talk again soon, maybe about the 2021 prospects. Always love getting your thoughts there. Thanks for having me, Boone. Sounds good. All right. One more guest to go today, Alex Chippen, a man who is never afraid to share his opinions around the score office. You can get those fire takes on Twitter, too, at Chippen underscore 13. Welcome back to the show, man. Oh, man. It's, it's been a while, but it's great to be back on with you. It has been a while. It's weird not being in the office, not getting to see everybody, you know, but we got a lot to cover, so I just want to jump right into it here. You wrote a feature on the score looking at where the Bucks team ranks among the 10 teams that Brady has taken to the Super Bowl. And you don't have to give us all the info, although I guess it did go up a few days ago, so we're not really spoiling anything at this point. But where does this Tampa squad rank among the rosters that Brady has had going into his Super Bowl appearances? So it's actually really interesting. When I started uh, putting together this post, I was thinking roster. Uh, where, do, where does the Bucks roster rank among... Uh, the the 10 Super Bowl teams. And by the end of it, 
I had the Buccaneers third on my list. Um, so number one was the 2007 Patriots, which is the Moss and Welker and Stallworth team that went 16 and 0, lost to the Giants. Number two, I had the 2014 Patriots. That was the team with Revis and Browner and Bill Belichick saying we're on to Cincinnati uh, after a two and two start, and they never looked back. But by the time I posted the article, I I I felt like I was I felt like in my mind there was this differentiation between roster and team. Because the Buccaneers roster on paper is absolutely loaded, right? But if you look at their team and the trajectory of their season, like it's really kind of hard to say that they are the third best team. Um, And so much of how we look at the Buccaneers, I think, will depend on how they do in this game. If they win, then this is this will undoubtedly go down as one of Tom Brady's, you know, best teams. But if they lose, I think we're going to look back at the beginning of the season and wonder how good was this team really? They, I don't know that they ever really were totally in sync. Uh, they had, you know, kind of seemed disjointed um, throughout much of the year, even in the NFC Championship game. Uh, Tom Brady threw three picks, which is super rare for him. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really interesting to kind of break down the roster versus the team. Yeah, and I like what you said there that, you know, it really kind of depends whether they win this game or not. I know they say, what, history is written by the victors, right? But it will have a huge impact. You know, you always think back to the Super Bowl winners. You don't often spend a lot of time thinking about those teams that got there. And I say that, you know, the one team that we do spend a lot of time talking about is a runner-up is my bills, right? From the early nineties. That's the one team that we always go back to that, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride kind of thing. But there's also been a lot of talk, even looking at Mahomes and whether he can catch Brady in terms of Super Bowl rings, you know, whether he needs this game along the way to do that, whether he needs to beat Brady, if he's even going to be recognized someday as the goat, does he need to beat Brady in this game in order to continue that? Give us some thoughts there. Is it just the media trying to generate hype or does this game have real importance to Mahomes' legacy? Yeah, so Tony Romo's the one who actually brought that up, which I found interesting because usually former players, um, you know, they like to kind of stay low-key and not say anything to, to ruffle too many feathers. And so when Tony Romo came out and, and said that, my eyes really opened up and I started to think about it. And the more I thought about it, the more I um, tended to, or the more I began to agree with Tony Romo that if Mahomes doesn't win this game, there's a very good chance he finishes his career 0-2 in the playoffs against Tom Brady. Um, And of course, he would only have one Super Bowl. Brady would have seven. Um, And as great as the Chiefs are, you know, to, to imagine that Mahomes could get to seven Super Bowls if he doesn't win this game, like that's, he's going to be really on an uphill battle. And, um, you know, Travis Kelsey's only going to be in his prime for so many more years. Tyreek Hill's going to be young for only so many more years. Um, you know, we know that windows in the NFL are incredibly short. Um, and so if Mahomes loses this game, not only is it going to be tough for him to, to catch Brady's in the ring total, I think it's just going to be hard for people to get over the fact that he's 0-2 in the playoffs against Brady. I mean, think about LeBron James versus Michael Jordan, right? We There's so many people who believe that for LeBron to surpass Jordan, he needs to not only equal what he did, which was the six championships, but he needs to eclipse it. Yeah. And I kind of feel like Mahomes is, is he'll be kind of going down the same road if he loses this game, especially because he'll be 0-2 head-to-head in the playoffs. Yeah, just win it, to win six rings. As good as Mahomes has looked, as young as he is and has a chance to win two already, 
it's going to be very difficult for anybody to get to that mark. And we know how this works, right? We always see teams come along pretty much in every sport. I always think back to like the, the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? Back when they had Durant and Harden and Westbrook and everybody was looking at them going, this team's going to win five championships. And guess what? They didn't even win one because that's how fast things can change. So yeah, you got to win them when you're there. And to win six in the NFL is just outrageous, let alone seven, which Brady has a chance to do. Uh, last week I had the scores betting writers on, and one of the topics that we covered was Super Bowl MVP odds. And if you didn't listen to that episode, I highly recommend everybody checks that one out. Chip, when we talked earlier this week, you mentioned you might have a dark horse MVP candidate for this game, and you didn't tell me who it was. So I'm very curious. Who are you looking at? Hey man, I'm going to go off the board a little bit. How about Jason Pierre-Paul? I, I know defensive players um, rarely win the Super Bowl MVP, but here's how I'm looking at this thing. If the Buccaneers are going to win this game, it's going to be because their edge rushers, Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett, just dominate the Chiefs' tackles. We know that the Chiefs are, are playing with two backup tackles. Mitchell Schwartz is out. Uh, Eric Fisher's out. Um, and that's going to be the one advantage, the one glaring advantage that Tampa Bay has going into this game, um, especially if Patrick Mahomes is still uh, compromised mobility-wise from turf toe. So I, I think... The only way for the Bucs to win, because we know that their secondary is going to struggle to match up with, with the Chiefs wide receivers. The only way for them to, to limit um, this big play offense of Kansas City is going to be for those edge rushers to absolutely dominate. And Jason Pierre-Paul, I think, is the guy to do it. He had nine and a half sacks in the regular season, made the Pro Bowl for the first time, I think, since 2012. Um, has been talking a little bit of trash in, in the lead up to this game. Um, but here's a guy, like, people forget this. He's been to a Super Bowl before, so I don't think the moment's going to be too big for him. Um, and I, I think now, you know, he, he won with the Giants early in his career. Now he's near the end of his career. Um, I'm sure he understands the magnitude of this game a lot better now. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna go with JPP. But let me say this too. If the Chiefs win, Sammy Watkins, man. I'm telling you, Sammy Watkins has been out of the lineup. <laughs> this guy has like three or four huge games every year. So just keep an eye on him. But I, I, my, my true dark horse pick here is Jason Pierre-Paul. Watkins does often show up in the playoffs, oddly enough, for yeah, the fact that he's kind of so sporadic during the regular season. If it was JPP, what do you think it would take stat-wise for him? Like three sacks and a strip sack, maybe a touchdown, like something like that maybe gets him there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would I would assume it's got to be at least like multiple sacks, um, maybe like three splash plays, you know, some combination of fumble, uh, force fumbles, fumble recoveries, interception, you know, a huge pass breakup. Um but I think it's he's going to need the stats, but more than anything, like he's just going to have to be in the backfield all game long. Um, you know, and, and this, I mean, so often the MVP just gets handed to the quarterbacks. So obviously this would have to be a game where the quarterbacks, you know, where it's not a super high scoring game. The quarterbacks are not just, you know, going completely off. But uh, yeah, I think if Pierre Paul can get multiple sacks and maybe one other really big play and I think he, I mean look he's going up against Mike Remmers like no disrespect to Mike Remmers but we saw how Vaughn Miller treated him uh, in this in Super Bowl 50 so you know Jason Pierre-Paul like he 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 knows the opportunity that's sitting in front of him well, we saw the Patriots have a low scoring Super Bowl that we didn't really expect a couple years ago right what was it 13-3 against the Rams so it is possible that it goes that way before I let you leave though I got to get your prediction for the game how is this wild 2020 season going to end what's going to happen this week you know what I have two golden rules well actually I have three golden rules in the NFL one is I never bet against Tom Brady the second is I never bet against Aaron Rodgers and the third one is I never pick against Patrick Mahomes so 
for the, for the second straight week, something's got to give here. I, I just, when in doubt, I just always lean with Mahomes. It just, it's really hard to envision him not scoring whenever he needs to. That's kind of like the Chiefs' ammo. They don't always score a ton of points, but when they need points, they manage to put them on the board. So I'm going to say Chiefs 28, Buccaneers 24. All right. Always a pleasure having you on, buddy. Enjoy the game this weekend. Great to be on with you, Boone. Okay, before I let everybody go, I guess I should drop my prediction for the game, too. Maybe I'm a shell-shocked Bills fan. Just watch my team get handled by the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, but I see KC prevailing this week, 31-27. My only concern for the Chiefs side is the injuries in the offensive line, whether that could have a bigger impact than I'm accounting for, but KC is the best coach team in the league. Top to bottom, definitely the best coach team. Mahomes is unflappable. No lead is safe against them. I mean, we've seen that several times over the last couple of years in the playoffs where they're down and they just come back. You cannot stop them. And there's a reason that this team only lost one game when Mahomes was under center this year. I know they lost two games. The second game was when Chad Henney played in week 17. So this is the best team in football. They're going to prove it again here. I know everyone's focused on whether the torch is finally going to be passed from Brady to Mahomes. I hate to break it to you, but that already happened. Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. He has been for a couple years now. And he's going to have two Lombardi trophies by the age of 25. Overall, though, I'm just looking at this as it's going to be a great game. I definitely think it's going to be a great game. And I'm unbelievably appreciative that the NFL and everybody associated with the NFL were able to pull this season off in the middle of a pandemic. It was a very impressive feat that they did that. And hopefully one that they won't have to go through again in our lifetimes anyway. On that note, though, that is all for today's show. I want to thank Michael McClimate, Mike Alessandrini, and Alex Chippen for joining me. Make sure you're checking out the NFL section on the Score app for all their content. And like I said earlier, I'm off for a couple weeks after this, but I will be back in late February. We're going to talk more about free agency and the draft and any trades we might get. And in the meantime, you can go back. You can check out the episodes that we did the last few weeks here going over the top prospects and the top free agents. That's going to give you a nice little start to your 2021 research. But until next time, big thanks again to the NFL community for pulling this season off. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby. Said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said.